Let's celebrate this month. Let's celebrate this week. Welcome to the Big Weekly Blend Podcast, the companion to our Big Weekly Blend magazine. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Big Weekly Blend show here on Big Blend Radio. The show airs every Sunday as a companion to our Big Weekly Blend magazine. And we like to celebrate upcoming holidays. Yeah, all those weird and stupid ones. I do say stupid. I shouldn't. But um, there's all kinds of weird ones and good ones like Pizza Month that October is. Um, But also related historic happenings. We look at pop culture happenings. And uh, today we get to welcome October because it's October 1st. So we're going to look at some of the monthly holidays. We're going to look at some of the upcoming holidays of the week. And of course, I always say go to the show notes for a link to our page that we put up on our site that gives you a list of the holidays of the week. It gives you a reading list for the week. It gives you a music playlist and everything that relates to what we're talking about and what's happening the week in that week and even uh, related articles and podcasts and recipes. We all like recipes, right? So check that out. And of course, all the links to our special guests on the show. All four of our guests today are part of Big Blend. Uh, You've heard them on the shows before. I'm going to start with Glenn Burrows because he's over in England and it's late over there compared to where we are in the States. Glenn is a family history expert and the owner of Norfolk Tours. And you know what? Anything you want to know about England, Scotland and Wales, just call Glenn. Anything about researching and digging up the past, those, you know, those skeletons in your closet, call Glenn. Go to norfolk-tours.co.uk. So welcome back, Lynn. How are you? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Hey, you know what? It's good to have you here. And uh, Glenn is on our show every fourth Saturday. And uh, last month he was talking about living history in Iron Bridge Gorge. Mm. And uh, this month he'll be talking about railroad history of England, which is going to be exciting. Um, but Glenn, I think we're going to talk a little bit of some of the ghosts we've talked about over the years, right? Today, some ghosts. Yeah. And... October is always a good time to talk about such things because it starts to get dark early. And, um, you know, this time of the year is always a little bit sort of spooky if you go around some of these old places. Like, you know, we've got hundreds and hundreds of old churches like the one behind me. The one behind me is uh, is over a thousand years old. I got married in it 40 years ago. And it's over a thousand years old. It's got Roman bricks in it, you know. So Ooh. we've got um, we've got so many ancient things, but you know, especially up on the North Norfolk coast, we've got a a story all about a big black dog called Black Shuck, and they do say that if you see him, you're going to die. So you know, he's <laughs> he's not not the sort of thing you want to see because you know you're not long for this this world if you see him. Well, that's really nice because today, October 1st, happens to be Black Dog Day here in America. So I wonder if you sent Shuck to the States. Well, I think I think lots of places have got stories about big black dogs. And, Hmm. you know, Norfolk has got this one called Black Shuck. And, you know, you hear so many different stories. He's supposed to be about as big as a donkey, you know, really big, a really big sort of furry dog, you know. Um, I don't know whether it's true because I don't know anyone who's seen him, but then no one would tell me anyway because they'd be dead, wouldn't they? So, right. Wow. <laughs> well, I just took care of a big black Great Dane called Mr. Hanky Panky, oh, and go. we went walking in the woods together every day with the cat, Mr. Reuben, and it was quite cool. Nothing bad happened to us. 
good for you. But I mean, we've got so many. We've got so many ghost stories in Norfolk. You know, we, we've. I mean, as I think I've covered in the past, we've got uh, Anne Boleyn's father is supposed to ride through the countryside um, with headless horses drawing his <laughs> carriage. You know, why they have to be headless horses, I never have understood. <laughs> How are they going to keep drawing that? You know, well, exactly. So, you know, but the, you know, everything's headless. I think it's something to do with Anne Boleyn. You know, oh, we've got the, wow. we've got the the brown lady of Raynham Hall, and she's supposed to be walking around with her her brown dress, and there's supposed to be a picture of her coming down the stairs <laughs> in Raynham Hall. You know, all these sorts of things. But but there's just so many of them because we're surrounded by old spooky buildings i love that i love that i want to bring our next guests on because i know they've got a little bit of travel behind them and i know peggy's got the spirits to go with she's got the healing waters as they call it here and uh, i just learned from a, a tasting but i want to bring kathleen walls on kathleen is a travel writer she's an author and um, I, I encourage you to go to her websites and uh, you go to for her books and she's got a num she's got all kinds of travel guide books she's got ghost books go to katywalls.com that's k a t y katywalls.com for travel writing follow her at americanroads.net and um you're going to be hearing a lot more of her on the, on the show i know we're going to talk about music because she's got a music book coming out uh, all about uh, the american music uh the like actually the beginnings of it and the history of american music and um but I think she knows about ghosts because she's from New Orleans. And you've got some ghosts <laughs> of New Orleans. There. And actually, right now, uh, first off, let me say, Glenn, I was wondering how you would put a harness or a bridle on those headless horses. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking of a holiday that's kind of not exactly a holiday, but it's kind of an American thing. And I think he deserves a mention. The October 1st is Jimmy Carter's 99th birthday. And oh, wow. he lived in a haunted house at one time. There's a place in Plains called the Rylander Home, Rylander House. And uh, they lived in it. And when I first discovered it, when I was getting ready, I was working on my Georgia Ghost book. And I wondered, you know, if it was really a true story and could I do it? And I contacted their one of their PR people. And they said, oh, yeah, that the Carter's definitely admitted that they had seen things and and in that house there was a white dog rather than a black dog so i don't know if it was good or bad and there were union soldiers and there were all kinds of things one of the children discovered loose bricks in the uh, fireplace in the attic every day the fireplace went up in the attic and they discovered these loose bricks and found out that they had two secret rooms so possibly maybe it had been used on the underground railroad at some time Wow, been known. but it's it's not open to the public at this point. But I'm hoping that it it Plains Health, one of the Plains organizations, has bought it. So I'm hoping that they will eventually open it to the public. Wow, wow, is that in, is it in your book? In, in it's your in my George's Ghost book. Mm -hmm. And she's got twenty percent off all month, right? If they go, I'm doing twenty percent on all month, and all, you've got to order them from my website though, because I can't do it one. Amazon. But if you go to my website and they're already way marked down because I have a big stack of them in my closet and I will autograph them and send them out. Awesome. Awesome. So Okay, so I I want to go over to Peggy. Peggy Fiendaka and her husband Kurt own and run L D V winery 
out in Arizona. So I think that takes a lot of chutzpah to be running a, like growing a vineyard, making wine out in the desert, but they do it and they're celebrating 15 years this year of doing it. There are tasting rooms in Scottsdale. The vineyard itself is in the Chiricahua foothill, the foothills of the Chiricahua Mountains. So if you go to Chiricahua National Monument, you've got to go check this out if you can. Uh, by appointment only, right, Peggy? Uh, That's to come correct. Yeah. Uh, so the the website is ldvwinery.com, and Peggy is on our show every first Wednesday, a wine time with Peggy. And uh, the very this October, she's going to be talking about uh, desserts and wine pairings. But welcome back, Peggy. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yes, hey, it's it's we love the fall. Yeah, that's exactly it. Is the, are the temperatures cooling down? Uh, yeah, I think we are, we're hitting only 101 or 102. <laughs> and, uh, no. believe it or not, when you, you're, you've been in Arizona for a very long time, uh, 100 or 102 <laughs> makes a huge difference. And it is, it is beautiful. I mean, at the, on our patio at our tasting room, people are sitting outside on the patio oh, at that nice. degrees. Very nice. So I want to know, um, being out on the Chiricahua foothills, right? So there's so much history. You've got Geronimo, um, who was captured just around the corner in Fort Bowie. Uh, this Fort Bowie is like this amazing historic fort. The history there is they say that Fort Bowie and Fort Union are two of the most prominent forts in the Southwest. Um, I don't want to go into the whole history of the Bascom Affair and the Apache Wars, but I could. But um, very fascinating. Geronimo's captured there. Of course, you've got Cochise. It is in the Cochise stronghold. And they've got a graveyard at Fort Bowie, um, which is not far from Chiricahua. They've got the graveyard in Chiricahua National Monument that I've been to as well. But going out there, so much history in the Apache Wars, having been there. Um, do you ever feel that kind of energy of like people have stepped foot here before me? Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, you know, we have 40 acres, and 20 of those acres are natural riparian area. And we have Ash Creek that runs out of the Chiricahua Mountains in that riparian area. And every um, time I go hiking in that creekside area, I uncover artifacts. I have um, uncovered, I have six matates, which are mm -hmm. stone grinders, that are museum quality, and I even actually have the uh, the stone as well as the, the matate. It's just an incredible connection that we have to the history of the of the area, and so that's very important to us because we're mm. our wines are place based, and we honor that history that we have on our property and protect it. Oh wow! And by the way, if you go down around the corner on October thirty first. Tombstone has a, I was going to say a killer um, ghost walker, ghost knight, but and Nancy and I went there, and I have to tell you, I have some very interesting photos that came from our ghost walk um, in Tombstone, Arizona, not far from you, and um, and you also celebrate that there's a Day of the Dead that comes up right. uh, in Tucson areas. We've been through that, too, and so death is not so much a um, freaked out of thing. In, in Arizona, it's more of a celebration um, right. with, you know, with the with the Mexican culture and the Spanish cultures there that it's 
it's a celebration of life, which I think is a beautiful thing uh, for people to to know about. Um, I want to go to Linda Ballou, not, you know, last but not least for sure. And she's joining us with a new podcast as well. Her Lost Angels Travel Adventures podcast every third Wednesday. And Linda, you've traveled the world and across the country. We touched a little bit about headless horses and you're a horse rider. Look at her book. <laughs> this is all audio for people, but um, uh, Embrace of the Wild is about Isabella Bird and, you know, her crossing through Colorado on horseback. So she didn't do that with a headless horse <laughs> at all. No, she did it with Birdie, yeah. the, uh, her mare that she dubbed, you know, the queen of the ponies and uh, with the steel legs and uh, Birdie had, she rode 800 miles with Birdie through the front range in 1873, the front range of Colorado. And um, she was born in October in 1831. And she rode through the front range in September. So it was fallish. And, but I think she went into a little bit of October because she was riding in the snow and she was going, uh, you know, from Denver up to uh, South Park and, you know, the mountainous areas. She was like up, you know, she was as high as 10,000 feet riding. I mean, through weather that was just unbelievable. But uh, I just uh, drove in her her hoofprints through those places and all through the front range where she went. Uh, And I went to Estes Park. And right now Estes Park is celebrating the 150-year anniversary of her arrival in Estes Park. And Mm -hmm. she is considered to be the mother of the Rocky Mountain Park because of her writings, A Lady's Life in the Rockies. uh, She drew not only me, I'm a travel writer following in her footsteps, but Thousands of other people came to Estes Park because of her, because her writings were so powerful and so so beautiful. Uh, so they right now are having uh, a play, reproducing parts of her book. And uh, the first third, uh, she also wrote, wrote in Hawaii. She wrote a book, Six Months in the Sandwich Islands. Um, and so one of the things that they're doing in Estes Park to celebrate her is a Hawaiian woman is coming and putting on a, uh, a performance um, mm. for her reenacting. So uh, I would have loved to be there, but um, I just, you know, I traveled through the front range last September and I, uh, I just didn't feel that I could pull it off to go there again this year, but uh, I'm definitely there in spirit. Well, I wanted I wanted people to know uh, you can keep up with Linda at uh, lindabelluauthor.com and also lostangeladventures.com. But Glenn, this this is a connection, another English connection. We always find them, right? So, um, right. Isabella Bird. I want to know. know Glenn has heard of Isabella Bird. Yeah, Isabella Bird was actually born on the seventh of October. So we're talking about the first week of October too, nineteen oh four. Um, oh, she, she died on seventh. Seventh, right. she died on the seventh of October, nineteen o four, in Edinburgh, Scotland. She was seventy two, but she was born on the fifteenth of October, in eighteen thirty one, in Bridge, Borough Bridge, Yorkshire, Glen. Oh, so right. we got a little English connection. But yes. Linda, tell him that there's a there's a BBC production, right? That he can yeah. watch because he's in England, but the rest of us here in the states can't, which sucks. <laughs> So can you tell the BBC uh, well, to get on with it? 
first, let me ask Lynn, are you aware of Isabella Bird? Um, no, but I, really? I know I know I know Borough Bridge. I've been to Borough Bridge. But you've not heard of her. See, it's surprising because she was the best love travel writer of her day and she gave many talks and she was in, inducted into the uh, Scottish uh, Geographical Society, the first woman. Uh, so I thought I thought she had, was fairly well known there. But, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I even when I went to Estes Park, not everybody's heard of her there either. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this is the trouble, isn't it? You know, that people who are well-known in certain circles and not necessarily well-known outside those circles. Right, mm-hmm. right. I mean, like I say, we actually went to Borough Bridge probably a couple of couple of years ago. Um, but I don't... Because that, that area is where James Herriot, the vet... Oh, right, well. writer. It yeah. Was, so, you know, well, the- that, that, that is why we went up to Borough Bridge because my wife loves the James Herriot. Ah. Well, I was honored to be uh, selected as the Isabella Bird expert in the BBC docu-series. I wouldn't call it a documentary. It was really, uh, you know, more for entertainment than than information. But uh, three actresses, English actresses, came over here uh, to Colorado to reenact her journey, the one that I just described to you through the Front Range. And her climbing of the Longs Peak in Estes Park. And um, they interviewed me. I have a four minutes of fame there on in the docuseries. Uh, it's called Trailblazers. It, was, it is a series that's focusing on empowered women who have been overlooked in history. Um, and those are people that I've been attracted to, that I've written about. I've done a couple of historical fiction novels, and I've selected stories about women who I felt were overlooked or forgotten. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's called Trailblazers. And I don't know if it's still running over there. I know, you know, I don't think they're going to air it here, unfortunately, but it's called Trailblazers. Glenn, call them. Call them, Glenn. Call them. Give them them a hot rod. (laughs) You know. Yeah, really. So um, I want to I want to go through some of the holidays with you all, because I think this is so much fun. You know, the you know, what we have and obviously it's fall and destinations change. And um, but some of the holidays of this month are going to be fun to talk about. I mean, we've already got some ghost stories going on and some some historic, you know, we're going to absolutely have to put Isabella Bird and Linda Blue and we're going to have to put Katie list for this month for sure. Um, so October 1st, I know it's Black Dog. Uh, oh, wait, let's just go to the month holidays to really get to it. Um, okay, it's Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. I think that's very important um, to take care of dogs that have been put into, um, been displaced, let's put it that way. Um, but I want to go to Katie because it's Country Music Month. And that's got to be a big deal because I know that you love country music. You just came back from Bristol, Tennessee. Right. That's and you're I writing your music fun. book. So country's got to be in there. Definitely is. It's, I, in fact, just coming back from Bristol and just before that, not, well, not too much, but like last year, actually, the Country Music Hall of Fame Nashville. And there's so much in Nashville that you, know, you can hardly ever get it all again. But the Country Music Hall of Fame is, you know, one you've got to get. And Bristol, the birthplace of country music, 
but maybe because it's smaller and that's what you're focusing on, it's almost more intense than Nashville. Mm-hmm. And and the, I think the Carter family lived out there, Carter didn't they? Family, right. And then not too far from there, you go to the Carter Fold, Carter Family Fold, and uh, they have acoustic folk music performance there. Um, the band, I'm trying to remember, something White Mountain people and the young lady one of the young ladies in the band talking about dogs she had the cutest little Yorkie dog and she'd get up everybody got on the dance floor from little bitty kids so on up to people my age and older and you just dance whatever you wanted to do it's you know just various acoustic music and it's very informal and uh, she would get out on the dance floor with her little dog and she'd be dancing maybe with some guy, but she's holding her little dog out there on the dance floor. See, it is. It okay, it's adopt the dog from the shelter, but I want to say, little dogs, don't be afraid to adopt a black dog this month, okay? Don't, and don't, I was going to say that. Uh, but but Katie, do you, do you remember, because I know you and I have had uh, many discussions about music, especially with you growing up in New Orleans. Um, do you remember the very first country artist you saw? The one that right. converted me from rock to country was George Jones. He was singing Window Up Above. And I happened at the time was going out with the guy who later was my first husband who was from Mississippi and he was very much into country music. And I got very, very hooked on country music at that point. I had seen George Jones perform live at the Grand Ole Opry in the past too. And uh, that's Okay, been- so we know we know what to make what to play to make Katie smile. A little George Jones. <laughs> That's George it. Jones will do it. I well, know, I Peggy. All kinds of music. I mean, I grew up when we were kids, and if you ride the bus home in New Orleans, then you would go down Bourbon Street. It wasn't, you know, just pedestrian as it is now. And that there would be, aside from all the strippers, there would be jazz bands playing. Pete Fountain would be one that would always be playing there. Al Hurt would be playing there. And then the other thing in my life growing up, Fats Domino lived in Ninth Ward, which for a time I lived in Ninth Ward too. And it was not at all uncommon to see him driving around in his pink Cadillac. It was just, you know, nowadays people would be swarming him and, oh, there's a star. But then it was just, you know, oh, there's Domino in his car, you know, just sort of everyday See? life. All right. So, Peggy, what about you? Do you like I country love, music? I love country music. I listen to it every single day. More the contemporary country music. Um, but yeah. even though I'm a city girl I and didn't grow up, I'm from Chicago. So I, I have a jazz background, jazz and blues. <laughs> What about uh, which Chicago I also blues? Dude, yeah. Chicago blues don't even get me started on that. That's I know a whole it, other right? conversation. Yeah, oh, but I, I like all genres of, of music. But, oh, but uh, now you're from Chicago, so wait a minute. It's pizza month. So yes. what happens with the pizza? Now, is the deep, now, our good friends are in Chicago right now, and they said they had their finally, they're, they're from Holland. They come over every year like once or twice a year and they photograph our neon signs to keep them preserved as they keep getting taken down across the country that I talk about a piece of Americana that just keeps getting. Um, anyway, they finally had their first deep dish pizza last night and they said, <laughs> I don't know how anybody can eat a whole deep dish pizza. And so they, right. they found a homeless person and gave it to them, <laughs> but they said it was delicious. I mean, how deep is a deep dish? Like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, I grew up on deep dish pizza, of course, and uh, yeah, it is, you know, pizza is one of those foods that has tremendous history, since we're talking a lot of history. I mean, it dates back to mm-hmm. the 1600s, or 600s, <laughs> that you can find pizza or flatbreads or whatever, and everyone argues about who makes the best pizza. In the U.S., it's, you know, big rivalry between New York, thin crust pizza, and and then Chicago with our deep dish pizza, pizza, but even, you know, Detroit has their own way of having pizza, and it, it's it's a fun thing, and of course, pizza goes great with wine, and that's what uh, <laughs> we, we anything. yeah, so October with pizza, and you got to get a great Grenache or Pinot Noir to go with that pizza. <laughs> oh, I like that, so now, in, in Arizona, like, I don't remember doing too much deep dish because I think that's a little heavy for the desert. But I remember getting, like, Mexican-style pizza, like some jalapenos on there, some spiciness on the pizza. Right, right. Yes. Um, and But, you know, we have some pizza places, like Pizzeria Bianco, that was rated number one in the country a few years back. So... We have become known for our pizzas in Arizona, and um, people travel. I mean, people traveled, uh, chefs and everyone else have to go to Pizzeria Bianco when they come into town because it is so, um, not world-renowned maybe, but at least across the country as a great pizza. Well, we're, we're in Asheville, North Carolina right now, and we discovered a pizza place called Piazza, and... Um, the, you buy the pizza, you eat the first slice, then you put it away. And you get it with onions and mushrooms, whatever your thing is, right? You take it out the next day, heat it up or not, and the crust has gone sourdough. And let me tell you something, like <laughs> seriously, it's the best. The sourdough, like I'm like in a whole new world about sourdough pizza. And uh, it goes well with wine or beer or coffee or just cold. I'll, I Listen, pizza to me should be like a it it should be at the top of the food pyramid (laughs) i agree with you i agree with you when you come when you come to visit us at the winery we do have a wood-burning pizza oven down there so are you serious yep so we will make you you, some pizza do you play country music and and uh chicago blues like we we play chicago blues when we're eating our pizza and drinking our wine so oh my gosh okay we can't (laughs) wait we can't wait linda i want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods for pizza (laughs) i you know i I gotta say i i just had a marguerite pizza yesterday i like the really thin with the basil tomato i I mean i'm not he's in california see not a connoisseur (laughs) but uh you know yeah i love pizza just like everybody else What's going on in England for pizza, Glenn? Do you even get decent pizza there? I can't remember when we were there that we got pizza. Um, There are pizza restaurants, but, I mean, they're just run-of-the-mill chain restaurants. You know, we the trouble is we're being taken over by chain restaurants, and uh, it's not any good. Talking about pizza, one of the best pizzas that I've had was a friend of ours, used to make the pizza, the base, out of a cheese scone recipe. And that was delicious because it was a cheese scone base. And then you had like pizza topping on the top. So it was the best of both worlds. 
You know, you had a cheese scone and you had the pizza well, topping. Glenn, for Glenn, everybody, a cheese scone is at the top of the food list. Yeah. Like it is at the top. That's at the top yeah. for him. Guess, that's, guess, that's what, the... guess what I had for lunch today? Cheese scones? <laughs> I had a cheese scone. My mate, <laughs> my, my mate was, my, I had to take my mate to hospital and I, I had to wait for a couple of hours while he was having a procedure done. And their cafe actually had cheese scones. So I, I just had to have one. I just had to, you know. Were they decent? Because they you're were talking about right. hosp- they were in the good. hospital. They weren't as good as Diane's, but they, they were well. homemade pizzas. Uh, uh, sorry, cheese scones. Oh, my gosh. Well, this is good. Kathleen, do you have pizza? I got to do the pizza round. We can't, I'm like, leave Kathleen out of this. My favorite pizza. We don't have much right here in Clay County, but the favorite one I'm thinking of is in near Atlanta in Woodstock, a place called Vigentes, Vigentes or Vigentes. And every year, the gentleman's from Italy, Sicily, actually, and every year, twice a year, actually, he takes a trip and goes back to Sicily and brings the water back to make it with Sicilian water so it would be accurate. And it is some fantastic pizza. Was it, um, Kathleen, was it a square or a rectangular pizza? You know, I don't remember if it was or not. We shared. It was on a press trip. And it's a whole group of us sharing several different pizzas. And Mm -hmm. they were all very, very, very good. He just kept bringing them out to the table, and we just kept digging into we couldn't eat any more. Because Sicilian pizzas are typically rectangular or square. It could have been. It could have been because he he wanted to be very, very accurate. And he was being from Sicily and growing up with that pizza tradition. Yeah. Hmm. I've also got to bring up um, that it's also National Apple Month. So, Peggy, apples and wine. Now, I've had I have had apple wine that they mixed with like a another white wine and it turned into a different wine like at a winery in, in Julian in California years ago the winery is no longer there because um, the gentleman passed but I have to say it was really good I never I've never been to a winery that mixed wines like right in there and said now taste this almost like a a new cocktail um, interesting you yeah. know you you can ferment just about any kind of fruit to make wine you know you can mm-hmm. at, ferment apples and and make mm-hmm. apple wine or strawberries or whatever it might be. You know, the fun thing about grapes and wine grapes is that when you ferment grape, ah, there's some apples. When you ferment uh, wine grapes, it tastes like anything but grapes, which is kind of fun. Oh. Uh, and that's well, the what, great thing about winemaking. Well, what about when you're looking at apple pies and things? And I want to talk about some of the destinations. I'm sure Linda's been to you know, places with apple, apple land, apple orchards. I don't know. Cause she hikes everywhere. And then Katie, do you, I, I don't know if you've been to apple I country, but think of a good apple and, a, and well, it's not exactly a ghost story, but L and J Georgia is considered the apple capital of Georgia kind of, and they have an apple festival and they also have the uh, Bigfoot museum, which is really, is more like a recent, the guy swears he has actually seen Bigfoot. They've got all kinds of exhibits. Whether you believe it or whether you don't, it's a very interesting museum to go. I shouldn't call it museum because he he doesn't consider it just. It is a museum, but he considers it also a research facility where they're studying Bigfoot. So Alan Jay's kind of got a little something spooky, and if you think Bigfoot's spooky, and and apples. 
Well, hey, apples, but there's so many destinations that suddenly here's a crop, you know, that's Julie in California went from apples, well, from gold to apples to then having wine. So I always found that apple country and wine country go hand in hand. It's a very interesting thing because you have apples in your backyard. Right. We have, a, I think, six or eight apple trees, I can't remember, in our orchard. And uh, southeastern Arizona grows beautiful apples. Apple annies. Apple annies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though this year they their trees got uh, frosted, so they didn't have a big oh. crop at all. But, you know, when you're thinking about apples and, and desserts with apples, like an apple crumble, which is very common this time of year to make an apple crumble with the cinnamon and, and just wonderful apples, you want to pair that with something that's going to accentuate <laughs> the flavors of those apples. So I would go for like a, a fruity Zinfandel um, would mm. be wonderful or a dry Riesling would be beautiful with your apple crumble. It, uh, you don't want to do a real sweet wine with um, mm. something like apples because you want to, apples are high in acidity. So you have to balance the acidity and you don't want to overpower it with something really mm. sweet, but uh, it, oh. it pairs beautifully with wine. I want to ask Linda Ballou an a interesting question because I know you just come back from Hawaii and you lived in Hawaii and you've written books and stories about Hawaii. Right. But I saw a photo about like mango apples or apple mangoes. I don't know if I saw something incorrect labeled at a farmer's market, but uh, it's like know, a... It's like a fruit fest over there. Yeah, I, like, I'm not sure about apple mango, but I what I did was a chocolate farm tour. And in that farm, they had a tropical garden and they had all the mangoes and papayas and dragon fruit oh that's cool for halloween you know all sorts of exotic tropical fruits and part of the tour they had tasting stations where they gave you little bits of the different tropical fruits as well as bits of chocolate from around the world so it was a pretty cool tour uh as for hawaii they're very you know there's you know everybody a lot of people grow their own food it's very expensive to live there, so they they are and they're vegan. A lot of vegans and a lot of uh, you know orchards and you know it's the Garden Isle. You know things grow there, gigantic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I really don't know anything about apples in particular. No, no, it's not. Everybody has to know everything about apples on the show, but uh, but I think it's interesting about Hawaii because of so much abundance and it seems like you can have these it's not like they have four seasons like where we are you know no it's beautiful all year round really honestly i mean they do have a little bit of a rainy season uh and Mm -hmm. every day it is the tropics so in any given day you might get an afternoon shower you know on this particular tour and other tours i took there they provide umbrellas (laughs) so that you you don't get caught out standing listening to someone you know share their information that you know they And they have covered covered stations for things. So, yeah, but it can rain there any day. Mm. But that's what the plants love. You know, that's why yeah. everything grows there. You know, like a plant will, that we have here in California will grow twice its size there because it gets the moisture. Right. It's just a perfect climate for plants. Mm. That's why it's the Garden Isle. And uh, one of the pieces I want to write is a uh, garden roundup for Kauai because there's, mm. you know, like, there's like five really spectacular gardens there 
with a different reason to talk about them. You know, like mm. one of them is one of them is just the indigenous plants. You know, nothing introduced, which mm-hmm. is an interesting garden. And there's no, by the way, there were no blooming plants in Hawaii except one red blossom. All of the flowers in Hawaii were introduced. Are you kidding me? In the whole, no. like, in Kauai? In ancient, or, Hawaii, or in ancient Hawaii, before people came and started introducing things there, there was the lahua blossom, which was a bright red blossom. And um, that was, like, really the only flower, you know. There were lots of ferns and different types of plants that they used medicinally and otherwise. But uh, not a lot of blooming plants. Flowers. Wow. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Well, the Lemmy Garden is fascinating because it's a like uh, 1,300-year-old uh, taro uh, uh, terraces, and, you know, you know, it's very authentic. It's very, you know, it got flooded in, the, in a couple of years back, but they have re-established it, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really wonderful tour if you're interested in the history of the islands. Very cool. Glenn, you've got apples. It's apple season. So are those from your yard? No, these actually came from the King's Orchard. We went picking apples at Sandringham on Sunday, and these were taken off the king's trees with permission. You stole the king's apples, <laughs> no, 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 no. I did not go scrumping. I got them and I paid for them. And these are called Bramley, and they are yeah. the dessert apple that you make apple crumble with. But I eat them because mm-hmm. I love sour apples. Me too. Oh, you can't see them. There you go. You can see yeah. them. They well, are that's absolutely me. gorgeous, I tell you. Yummy. Yummy. Oh, my gosh. So they're well, the king, we'd get king's a... apples. Wow. So right, I remember as a kid going out in, in the backwoods of England and picking berries and crab apples. And then when the fall came, or autumn, excuse autumn came, <laughs> we played with, we played knockers with the Conkers. chestnut. Conkers. Conkers. I better not say knockers. <laughs> You had better say not as in England. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, Oopsie. Dear, dear. I got my... You're getting your yeah. knockers crossed with conkers. Uh, don't, don't be saying that either, Cliff. <laughs> but now, so conkers, tell everybody what that is. And it does start in the fall, right, isn't it? It was like, because when they... Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, we, have, we have conker trees, which are horse chestnuts. And they have a they have a conker inside a green a green fruit Mm -hmm. and what you do is you pick the conkers and you make a hole in the middle and you put a piece of string through it and you hold the conker up and someone else has a conker on a piece of string and they try and break your conker with their conker (laughs) it's just a kid's thing this is just how it grew up i don't know it's the person the person who ends up with a conker in in a, a whole conker is the winner because everybody else's conkers have broken to pieces because they've That's, been bashed. I was always the winner of conquering. <laughs> 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 but hey, you know, but that's part of the fall thing is like looking at, you know, it's easy. You know, I love that Linda was talking about gardens because gardens really change. And and Peggy, I know, especially you being, you know, a, a you know winery owner and understanding that there's so much that happens in life. And um, we've gotten to this point of like cutting everything. Um, and 
being so meticulous with our gardens to the point of not letting our pollinators grow, you know, take all the leaves and put them away. And pollinators actually live in those leaves and like butterflies and fireflies and things like that. And so there's something to be said about the fall and understanding the cycles of nature and maybe embracing nature during the fall and keep your bird feeders with water if you can, you know, things like that. There's ways to work with nature, but we don't have anything without nature. Wouldn't you say that, Peggy, as, as, a, as a, you know, a vintner? Right. We're so connected to the land and how we grow our grapes is so critical. And I think anyone can learn um, from their garden on how to take care of it. Um, for us, our soils are so critical um, to the health and the quality of our grapes. And so before our plants start to go dormant, which will happen in October, starting in November, we do an analysis of our soils to make sure that we replenish the nutrients in the soils because they've been producing great grapes all summer long. And so some of those nutrients get diminished and we add those nutrients back into the soils before they go dormant so they can um, really continue to thrive. And and we need to do that with our own gardens. And, and we need to think about the soils in our gardens because soils worldwide are, are disappearing. Quality soils mm-hmm. worldwide are disappearing. And so if mm-hmm. we can each do our little part. And I'm, tell, I'm saying don't add chemicals to your soils, but mm-hmm. really analyze your soils and add nutrients that are going to strengthen them, not mm-hmm. um, destroy them over time. Mm. Katie, as a as a travel writer and traveler, do you go to gardens? I do, and I even try growing things. My the thing I want to grow the most are the big juicy tomatoes. Growing up in New Orleans, we used to get what they call Creole tomatoes. Well, in Florida, and you go in the grocery store, you get plastic tomatoes, and they don't taste like anything. So I've been trying to grow them, and that is so difficult to do without. And I try not to use chemicals. Uh, last year, I tried something, a little German hybrid plant, and I got a few. Our seasons have been going crazy because we'll have hot, hot, hot weather and then drop down to cold weather. You know, we're up over the hundreds. I know in Arizona, that's nothing. But, but yeah, when you get over 100, you know, all the newscasters get all excited. And then we've had days, one day it dropped down to 28, which is really unusual in Florida. Mm, but, that is wild. It's that's wild. Linda, what's it like in, in well, California? Because you've had well, my, I live in the mountains, okay, and my my mountains think it's spring now because we had a huge rain a couple of weeks ago, totally out of season, uh, a really soaking rain, and I awesome. was happy for it because that ends the drought for us, and we're in a very high fire place. So, uh, but now, you know, it's kind of weird. I go into the park and it's all green when normally this time of year it'd be very dry. As for my garden, I'm on Aturel. I have a big, pretty big piece of land here and uh, no fence, no fence fencing off the animals. And I have this Amazonian fig tree that's the biggest tree in the canyon and it drops Pigs period periodically. Oh, so I get, love you. So I get coyotes come in to eat the figs. I get tons of birds, and uh, I even had a bobcat in here the other day. 
And my own personal garden, which is my oasis, is all the uh, indigenous plants, you know, like butterfly bush and Mexican sage, which draws the butterflies and the birds. And, uh, you know, so I love where I'm living now because I'm living in the trees and in a very natural state. So mm. it's I'm happy here. What What's it like right now, Glenn, for folks to know about going to England during the autumn or the fall season? It's it's really pleasant at the moment. You know, we're we're at the the end of the summer, so the the temperatures are still relatively nice, um, and the weather is generally September October can be really nice weather wise. Mm. We haven't had a lot of rain, but if we do have rain, you know, it's it's come and gone. You can always put an umbrella up or put a coat on. You know, it's it's. Mm. It's only water, as my mother always tells me. You know, I'm not made of salt, so it don't really matter. <laughs> you know, so you know, really, this is. I always find that sort of the end of April, beginning of May, and then the September October periods in England are sometimes the best periods of, mm. to travel because you've got everything is still going around. You know, especially in sort of April May time, you've got all the flowers coming out mm. uh, but in the autumn time you've got all of the the color still you've got all the greenery but mm. you've also now got all the leaves turning color so you've got the beautiful autumn colors you know mm. so, so really those times are a really great time to travel in england and and it's not too hot you know now I've, I've heard you know, that england, you guys are i heard that you guys are celebrating halloween now and you never did when i was there as a kid we, had... we we never no we never used to celebrate celebrate Halloween hardly at all. But now it's you know the 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 American ideas have come over you know so we do get that. we came yeah. back we came back home yeah. <laughs> we came back over. Well, it, it's it's interesting to me. I, you know, we've got jack o' lanterns. Everybody starts getting those gourds and jack o' lanterns. So yeah. just for fun, if you were going to carve a jack o' lantern, and I know it's actually not that easy. And you, what are you going to carve? You know, but I don't want to hear about any political figures because I don't want any drama on the show. <laughs> but we probably would all do the same people. I don't know. But um, without naming a political figure, what would you do? It could be a horse. You know, it could be it could be a headless horse. It could be a dog. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be a person. Who would you carve on a jack-o'-lantern for Halloween? So let's go with you, Katie. I have a funny feeling you have you have one. I don't, but I would do a cat. <laughs> I'm a cat okay. person right now. I, I mean, I love dogs too. I like most, almost any animals. Uh, I'm not fond of coyotes because they eat cats. But other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably make a cat and put some ears on it. Yeah, what about you, Linda? I'm thinking horse. I like Coca. I, I like Coca Pelle. I love oh, him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him. He's the, uh, you know, the. Uh, what do we, I forget what we call him, but you know, I just love his image, so I would carve a cocapelli. Well, he's kind of like the trickster in a way, but he was like, yeah, the trickster, he was a, 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 a ladies' man, I believe. He was, uh, you know, a uh, a magic flute would draw the ladies and things like that. He's like, but, the, he's like the Native American's Pied Piper, right? In a way, yeah, that's a good one. And so, and you see that, did you get connected with the cook? Well, you get him and uh, in California, obviously, but when you go into Arizona, the Coca Pelli, and you see more of that in Arizona, and you've done some travel in Arizona. 
You talking to me? Yeah, I've been yes. to Sedona. I love it. Actually, I want to go back. I have some friends uh, there. I'm planning on coming in the spring, Peggy, so maybe mm-hmm. I can, uh, you know, come your way. She's but, in Scottsdale yeah. or Tasting Room. That's not too far from Sedona. Oh, yeah. My friends live in uh, Scottsdale. So, um, and I would like to get back to Sedona. Actually, I would love to go up to Monument Valley, Canyon de Chez. I mean, I really quite like Arizona. There's a ton of wonderful stuff there, and it's close to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking uh, Mark March. Cool. Perfect. Cool. Beautiful Call time me. of year to go. I will. Yeah. No, I absolutely will. I'll bring my friends. They love wine. They're there from uh, Santa Rosa, where he was a member of the wine clubs up there. So, oh. yeah. Reggie, I'll bring my pals. Like, bring them. Bring them. Bring them. <laughs> yep. We'll turn them on to Arizona wine. I like yeah. that. No, I'm sure they'll be they'll be more than happy to be turned on. Yeah. No, I, well, listen, Peggy's wine, I have to tell you, Nancy and I, like, in fact, where we are right now is the first time we, it was like a couple years ago, I think now, Peggy, that right. we tasted Peggy's wines and we had dinner with the, the ladies that were pet sitting for. And literally I sat down and I, and, and, you know, it's our first meeting of them. And I just said, I just need to be left alone. <laughs> Her wine is extraordinary because she does work with the earth and it's, um, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And it's supposed to be sipped and, and, and savored and enjoyed with friends. And just, um, it's beautiful. It's exquisite. They will enjoy it. They really will. Um, well, I have a dedicated are... wino. I haven't had a mixed drink for years. I love <laughs> wines. So, so there yeah, you go. I'll, I'll be looking forward to meeting you, Peggy. Fabulous. Okay. So, Peggy, are you what? What's going on your jack o' lantern? What are you carving? Well, you know that's a that's a tough one. I think I love witches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I think I would uh, do a gnarly, snaggletooth kind of witch on my uh, jack o' lantern, uh, yeah. potentially. I like that. I you know now I'm thinking Wurzel Gummage. What yeah. about that Wurzel Gummage? What do you think? I could do Wurzel Gummage, Glenn. You could definitely do Wurzel Gummidge. Please, please uh, tell everyone who Wurzel Gummidge is. So well, Wurzel Gummidge was a scarecrow. I don't know if you have scarecrows in in America, mm-hmm. but he was oh, a yeah. scarecrow. Um, he came to life. And but actually, funnily enough, Peggy has just stolen my my uh, jack o' lantern, as you call them, or pumpkins. Um, but I was going to put a nice witch on <laughs> because I'm I'm of the generation that remembers Samantha bewitched <laughs> yes. um, and she was gorgeous so i'm gonna have her on my pumpkin <laughs> that, was, that sounds really good if anybody just tuned in right at that spot that yeah. sounded really good um you know so i i love it you know i think this is the fun time of, of the holidays whether you believe in the holidays or not all these crazy holidays i think it's fun to just do something silly and have fun and you know even different you know spiritual and religious beliefs to do something new and different is fantastic. So we've got into that. Now, all right, there's chili month. There's physical therapy month. Oh, I like bully prevention month. That's a good thing. And then international walk to school month. Okay. I'm a fan of this. I'm a big fan. I walk to school a lot. Um, anybody, Glenn, did you walk to school? Well, you're, you're in the same village. It couldn't have been that far. Yeah, right? we we used to bike to school. It oh, was see. Um, our school was about a mile away. 
And and so you didn't have the problem of, oh, my parents dropped me off, don't see my parents. What is that about kids? We, like never, we never had a car when I was little. What? We never had a car. We didn't need one, did you? No. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's no. wild. Like in, in the States. Okay, so even Linda being in California, everybody needs a car. Yeah, pretty it's a much. car culture. You have to have it. Whether you yeah. want to or not, you have to. Yeah, yeah it's know. a little bit. Did you we ever can... walk to school, Linda, when you were in Alaska? Well, yeah, when I was in Alaska, I would walk to school in the, in the snow in the winter with the berms up over to my shoulders. <laughs> the snow oh berms. God. Yeah, it was a big deal. And I, it would be dark when I came out of school. It would be like three o'clock would be dark. I'm talking about the winter. You know, we We played in the summer. We didn't go to school in the summer. But in the winter months, yes. I walked to school. It was only a couple of blocks, and there were only like 60 people in my high school. <laughs> wow. So wait a minute. So you went to school in the winter and played in, in Alaska. Summer. When I lived in Haines, Alaska, yeah, I went yeah. to the public school there, and uh, there were a total of 60 people in the, you know, the high school, and maybe a hundred, you know, maybe 160 altogether, kids and so forth. But the town was only 2,000 people. Wow. And, um, you know, you walked everywhere. <laughs> you could walk wow. to the... Did you, did you have a snowmobile or did you have dogs? Well, like, what some, you... people, some people had snowmobiles, but, you know, it was a little town. You could you could walk. Uh, I mean, we had cars. Uh, but yeah. as a kid, you know, as a teenager, I, I was walking. I didn't have a car. Yeah. But uh, wow. it was dangerous roads in the wintertime. One time my mom, she's we had a house on the hill and... She backed out of the drive and it the car kept going and she went down the hill backwards, you know, and slid into town. <laughs> I'm serious. Done that. I've done that. I've I've gone up and down in my Toyota Corolla up to a friend's resort and it was it snowed. And um I went up the hill and because it was bumped like the way the track there was no traction, I slid back down. And then I started thinking, well, this is fun. Let me do it again. And then I went sideways. I did eventually got to the top. And then I realized, like, you're actually really stupid. You need to stop doing this. But I thought it was fun. But anyway, yeah, it was fun. So, Katie, what about you? In New Orleans, did you walk to school? Well, grade school, I was about eight blocks. It was, I was going to parochial school. And it was about eight block walk and didn't think anything of it those days. And then high school, I was only like three blocks. I went to Holy Angels Academy, and I was just a three-block walk from there. It's really hard to think of a good excuse when you're late, when you've only got three blocks to walk. I did. I had a lot of detentions for that. <laughs> we, we, we turned the sprinklers, because all my friends lived on the same street. We'd all walk to each other's houses. And so what I did is I turned the sprinklers on, and then we all suddenly, oops, we walked through the sprinklers. We couldn't possibly go to school in wet clothes. <laughs> well, Nancy was like, oh, by the time you'll get there, it'll be dry. And you walk through them. It's your fault, not the sprinklers' fault. You're going to school. Do you want me to call all the parents? We we didn't win. But um, I thought that was my excuse, but it didn't. But anyway, I did leave partway through the day and then later got caught for that, too. But anyway, Peggy... What about you walking to school? Did you do that in Chicago? I did. And um, it seemed like it was quite a long walk. I, I went to parochial school in, in the city. 
and uh, I had to cross some pretty busy roads to get there when I was in second and third grade, but my parents sent me out, and I, I walked to school all by myself in the city, and I thought nothing of it at the time, but uh, it's just a different time today, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I walked to school pretty much or biked to school up until I think I got my first car at 16 for my sweet 16th uh -oh. birthday. And Ooh. so then I switched and drove everywhere. <laughs> but I think there's something about walking to school that actually gives you a little bit more independence than if you're always driven. You know, right. I see kids in the back with their little phones and their little things. And I wonder about like I always had to walk or do something to do. You had to be part of whatever you were doing. And I wonder about that giving a self and, you know, some kind of independence, you know, Linda, I know you hike a lot, you know, you walk a lot. Do you think, you know, even just going back to those formative years of being in school and walking that you had this sense of, I know how to walk. Whereas <laughs> some now, some kids don't know. Right. I think, uh, I know what you're, where you're going. And I'm not knocking anything of today. I'm just saying there was a different time, like what Peggy was saying. Right. I'm not afraid to walk alone. And when the other thing about when I was in Alaska was I did hike in nature quite a bit, you know, and, uh, you develop a sense of self-reliance and independence. And, uh, that's one of the really nice things that I got from living in Alaska. And here I see the kids, you know, they're lined up with their SUVs two miles long to pick up the kids at school. You know, it's like, I guess we call them helicopter parents, you know, where they're really overprotecting the kids to the point where the kids don't have a chance to really grow and evolve and mature. Uh, so, but I don't have any kids. So I don't have to <laughs> so deal with that She gets away to say, she could say that. Katie, what about you? Because you go out in nature quite a bit too. I mean, you paddle. You would paddle to school. I, I know you'd kayak through alligators if you wanted to go to school. Yeah. Well, in Florida, well, in New Orleans, I was in the city. So we didn't, you know, it was all the ninth one when I was mostly in school. And, uh, but now I have no problem. I'll go camping by myself. You take my papa. And, you know, it's usually I'll camp in a state park or something like that. And I've never, never been afraid of, you know, heading towards. Now there's places in Jacksonville where I would not go by myself at night. I did a, a wrote a tour piece for, it was for a London company actually. And there was supposed to be a walking tour. And there is a really neat museum, which is over a homeless shelter in not the safest part of Jacksonville. I mean, we've had, what six killings in the past couple of days in Jacksonville? So Jesus, you know, depending where you are, it's you know here in Clay County, I don't have any problem. Yeah, but if you're you're you'd paddle with alligators and say that's oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're you're in less danger from wildlife than you are from people. Let's face it. I mean, an animal is only going to come after you if it's hungry and wants food, mostly. And most of the alligators are too small to want to eat me. So yeah. I don't have any problem with that. Well, People, it's a different story yeah. sometimes. Well, we're hoping to come see you too on our way through sometime well, through Florida. I know we'll be there for sure next year. But Glenn, um, you do a lot of walking tours with your guests. Do they want to go on like historic tours or go through nature? Because you've got like Petter's Way. Tell everybody at Pet Petter's Way because that's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, Petter's Way is a is a Roman road that goes for quite a lot of miles 
and it connects up with the North Norfolk coastal route as well. So you can you can literally walk for, for weeks. So you can walk along a Roman road and then go all the way around the coast. In fact, you can all, walk all the way around the coast of England if you want to. England, Scotland, Wales. I want to uh, do that. All the way I around. And, and, and you can just so go fortunate. from bed and breakfast to bed and breakfast, right? Exactly. I mean, we're so fortunate in in that, you know, we have got the opportunity to to do those sorts of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, even just walking around the coastline of Norfolk, you're going to go along places that are really beautiful, rocky cliffs. Uh, you've got really beautiful sandy beaches. You've got um, salt marshes um, and you've got bird reserves all all within Norfolk coastline, you know, mm. so you've got such a, a vast difference within a few miles. And like mm. I say, you've got the Roman road as well, which is um, a fantastic route to walk because you you think, know, you're, you're walking along roads where Roman soldiers used to walk. Do you think the Cornwall coast is as nice as what you just described? The nor, nor, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, want- Cornwall, Cornwall is gorgeous because it's so rocky. And it's so wild because you're out over the Atlantic as well, you know. So you've got you've got the the rockiness, but you've also got the nice beaches as well in Cornwall, and um, you know. So all parts of England are so different, you know. But, but I do love Cornwall. Cornwall is yeah. a beautiful area, and that's where Poldark. If you've seen Poldark on the yeah, planet, yeah, that's I... where that was filmed, and and that is so so wild. You know, uh-huh. it's really wild out there. Well, it's on my list if I can ever get across the pond. Well, <laughs> go, she'll, go she'll make it. She'll make it. She'll make it. I know she will. I know. <laughs> I know Linda can't sit still that long at all. But, um, okay, so in closing, it's fall. I, one question. I know, Glenn, did I miss October 2nd? You said there was yeah, something. Just, just very quickly. October the 2nd, 1766. Just picture it, right? You're in the middle of Nottingham, which is where Robin Hood came from. And the farmers have had a really bad harvest. So everything has gone up in price at the market. And all of the peasants are revolting because everything is too expensive for them. Does it remind you of anything at the moment? Um, Anyway, the peasants all went to Nottingham and the farmers had put the price up of all their wares and the peasants got so angry that they had what was called the Nottingham cheese riots of <laughs> 1766. And no way. The, yeah. Cheese riot. There were cheeses flying everywhere. <laughs> and Yeah. I mean, they were great big round. We called them wheels, great mm. big round cheeses. And they were stealing all the cheeses off the stalls and they actually hijacked a boat, a whole whole ship, where they were going to take all these cheeses to another part of the country. And these peasants all came along and stole all the cheeses. And I just thought, what a fantastic story. You know, so that's, the 2nd of October, 1766, in the Nottingham Cheese Riots. That's crazy. Oh, I there. I that's crazy. There. That is crazy. And then, okay, okay I love that. I mean, because, well... Isn't that we we went through some riots here, even just for tomatoes? I think it was something about getting fresh tomatoes. We've had some the riots for food. I mean, there's if you like listen, if they said we can't have cheese here in this country, like no more cheese, I'm leaving. 
or I will write. <laughs> I mean, that's even, I'll be more political than ever. It is just like the banning of books, which is ridiculous. It was, yes. what, what, what were you saying? Who was saying that Anne Frank got banned? Was it you, Katie? Oh, yes. Anne Frank, Diary of Anne Frank got banned in Florida. That's uh, ridiculous. That it's, we've got to keep our historic uh, books out there, you know. It's so it's, sad. I, my books would, most of them would be banned because, well, especially my Civil War books, because I have a black character in there, one of my main characters, telling the story from his point of view. Um, that wouldn't go over too good here in Florida. Mm. Well, you better not tell the national public. <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. It's an interesting, and incidentally, it ties in, Glenn, with the, the third book in that series is a, dealing with almost factually my great-great-grandfather who had come over from Dundee, Scotland to New Orleans and he worked on building cannon during the Civil War and uh, he also is supposedly the one who built that the mystery submarine that's in Baton Rouge Museum and did a lot of research on that one. I've never wow. been to Dundee but I'd love to go there. Mm. The Battle of Dundee is a big deal. That is. Wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> Was it what as is, good as the was it as good as the cheese riots of Nottingham though? That's what I, I don't know. But you know <laughs> I don't know. Peggy, um I know you had some history you wanted to share on Pinot Noir. Because why not? It's a season four Pinot. It's well it's actually um our petite Syrah, which is one oh, of sorry. your favorites, right? And uh it was uh comes from a grape called Derif, which uh was founded in 1880 by a French botanist, Francois Derive, and he in Montpellier, um, France, about 1880, I guess. And it was a cross between Syrah and a really rare kind of grape called uh, Pellerson. Pellerson, I can't, I'm not certain exactly the correct um, pronunciation, but he put the two grapes together and created this, what's called Derif. It failed in France. It just did not um, take off. And Charles MacIver from the U.S. was over there and brought some back to California in the late 1800s, 1880, early 1880s, something like that, and planted it in the ground. And it did beautifully. And so... That they changed the name from Derive to Petite Syrah, and it's planted all over now, all over the U.S. and has done well. And the big difference between obviously California and France is the sun. We have a lot more days of sunny weather, and it has just taken off. And of course, we love it down in Arizona at our vineyard. We um, that is our prized grape is our Petite Syrah. So. Yeah, kind of a fun history. Good time, good time of year to have some too. This, like I said, you know, it's it's always good. In closing, I want to thank you each for joining us. But in closing, your perfect October day. Where would you go? What are you going to eat and drink? Like, are you going to have a picnic? Or are you going to go to a restaurant? Like, where are you going in the world? Okay. And if you could sit down and spend it with anyone alive or passed on, who would it be? I mean, maybe. You know, Linda wants to hang out with Isabella Bird. Maybe Glenn wants to hang out with the Nottingham cheese riotist. You know, 
who knows? You know, Katie might want to spend it with a black cat that went after the, <laughs> the black dog. I don't know. Peggy's chasing after the petite Sarah. I don't know. She's already got it. But uh, let's see, you know, so it's going to be who are you going to spend that special October day with? Where are you going? And what are you eating and drinking? Are you going to go picnicking? What's in the picnic basket we want to know? Or if you're going to a restaurant, what are you eating and drinking with this special person? So let's start with you, Katie. Well, for, for, for October, my next trip is going to be to Lafayette in the middle oh. of October. So I know I will be eating good, and I know I will probably be eating more seafood than is good for me, but it will be good seafood. So Lafayette, Louisiana. Right. So who do you want to spend time with there? Ooh. Oh, uh, I'm I'm not sure who's – it's a press trip, and I'm not sure who I'm going to be with on it. Um but hypothetically, I who think would you like I, to some people I know on it's for an info trip. I think Linda, you're an info. I think, aren't you? I think. I'm, with, I'm sorry. No, she's thinking travel. that you're the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association. Yeah, I I'm with the, the I'm with the National Association of Travel Journalists. Naja. Oh, okay, I was in that one, but now I'm I'm not in that one now. But I'm in info. But this was an info trip, so right. it's going to be people that I either know or. You know, right. kind of know personally, I know online. That's fun. So it's, yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah, Lafayette. Before, so I know it's going to be a good trip. They have Zydeco breakfast. Right. <laughs> that's um. I'm trying to remember the name of the place that's that, but I've been to one of those, and that is so much fun. It's you're as much have fun watching the dancing as it is eating the food. And you're going to be doing the achafalat no, forget it. I can't pronounce it. The 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 natural the national wildlife refuge there. It's one of the biggest ones. The heritage area with the water. This you know you're gonna be in the bayou. The Atchafalacha. Oh, Atchafalacha. Yeah, Atchafalacha yeah. Basin. Oh, uh, we probably will end up doing a tour, a swamp tour on that with some alligators, of course. Yay! <laughs> All right, you know I, I've got to get to see an alligator before we see Peggy. Well, so you come gonna... down here. I can get you where you'll see an alligator for sure. All right. Yeah, and listen, and we've got to go to St. Mark's. Got a couple of inflatable kayaks we can take out, too, if you like inflatable ones. <laughs> Especially with alligators. We definitely like it. Yeah, I had a friend. We were doing a press trip, uh, the RV trip, and she's from, from um, Michigan. And it was right at the end of mating season. You could kind of hear them balking in the background. And we were in Alexander Springs in Marion County and, uh, you know, um, Ocala National Forest. And it's perfectly clear water. You can see the bottom. And we were kayaking there in my little inflatables. And she kept saying, are you sure we're safe? And they're not going to bother us. And well, there was a crocodile under the Pompano uh, Beach. Pompano? Pompano Beach. Probably got to be really far south to get the crocodiles. Down it around did. the Everglades is about the only place you'll find Well, it was a, a rare sighting just happened. A crocodile under the Pompano Pier in Pompano Beach. Just okay, happened. That, that's that's weird because it must have probably gotten out from a refuge or something. Yeah, something happened. You, but all right. in in um, Everglades National Forest, there are native wildlife crocodiles there. I actually yeah. got a picture of one many years ago. There's not, crocodiles not and alligators. De yeah, depending on which side of the swamp you go. I love it. Everyone, yeah. katiewalls.com. You can also go to AmericanRoads.net. American AmericanRoads.net, but KatieWalls.com for a book. Don't forget 20% off on ghost books uh, or ghost books. And Linda Ballou, I want to go to you. 
What's your perfect October day? Who are you hanging out with? Uh, well, I'm going to make a run up the Central Coast and uh, go to Schooner's, my favorite seafood restaurant there. And I have some friends on the coast that I will visit. And a couple of them live up in Paso Robos, which is a really lovely place mm. to be in the fall. And it is wine country, Peggy. I have good and, wine. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to, and it, it will be lovely because it's harvest time up there. It's very agricultural. And I, I think it'll be just perfect, perfect time to be there. And awesome. uh, I got to have some pumpkin pie. Oh, sorry. I, I got to have some pumpkin pie while I'm in that neck of the woods. <laughs> well, sounds good. You know. Why not? Pumpkin oh, maybe pie. Some apple, and maybe some apple crisp. Oh, there you go. Apple. You got to keep with the apples, you know. Uh, again, everyone, Linda's a new podcast, uh, Lost Angel Travel Adventures, starts the third Wednesday of October, which is uh, the 18th of October. So stay tuned for that at BigBlendRadio.com. And also follow her at LostAngelAdventures.com and LindaBalooAuthor.com. Uh, Peggy is on every first Wednesday. So stay tuned for her next episode that ca- talks all about dessert and wine pairings for the fall, kind of like what we're talking about today. But she goes in depth and teaches us how to settle with wine. <laughs> but uh, Peggy, what is your favorite October day? Where are you going? You know, I I would love to go someplace uh, where the, the leaves are all changing. So somewhere like Vermont, which I've never been before. And I just have such fond memories uh, as a kid in Illinois, uh, running through all the piles of leaves and stuff. So I think it would be a girlfriend's weekend that we would go um, play in the and the leaves and look at the foliage and drink lots of wine and, <laughs> and just uh, tell uh, stories. So I think I, that's what I would do. Um, one of these nice. days, I definitely want to get it done. You know, even in Arizona, I know people don't believe it, but we, we recognize the change in seasons and yeah. um, there are great places to see the trees change in Arizona, but even in the, the urban areas, when you're a native, you can tell when it's fall and you can tell when it's winter and the smell of the air and the, the change in the, the foliage, even in the, in the desert changes. And uh, I mean, it, it's actually beautiful when you really um, look at the nuances of the change of mm-hmm. the seasons in the desert. It's, it's pretty And exciting. if you had, had rain, you get ocotillos in bloom and, uh, you know, there's a whole other season of flowers, especially in the southeast Arizona, like where your vineyard is. And um, there are fall colors um, up yeah. in those mountains and yeah. uh, the cactus. Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to go home a little bit and hang out in the desert for a little bit. But Glenn, let's go over to you in England. What is your perfect October day? Is a cheese scone involved? Well, there would be. But... <laughs> um... It would have to be the 6th of October because that's Diane's birthday. That's right. That's right. I cannot cannot forget her birthday. We, we said we were going to make sure to, to give her a shout out for yeah, her birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday to my, my darling wife. I better say that. Aren't I? Awesome. Um, uh, but actually what I would like is something that we do quite regularly during the year anyway, and that's go to Wells, which is one of our seaside towns. And we have fish and chips on the wall of the quayside. So we're sitting on the wall outside the fish and chip shop 
and we're looking out over the quayside, which is where they land the boats with all the fish, and we see all the stuff going on. And the kids are looking out over the side of the quayside catching crabs. So you know what what can be better than just sitting outside eating fish and chips with your wife, eh? So I I'll love do. it. I love it. Well, listen, everyone, thank you so much. Everyone keep up with Glenn at norfolk-tours.co.uk. I know it's late over in England as we record here. Thank you all for joining us, and happy October to everyone celebrating their birthday this week or this month. Um, It's your birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> so take care, everyone, and, of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. We're here every Sunday of the month. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. We want to give a big shout out to our friends over at the Peanut Patch in Yuma, Arizona. They're typically open from October through April every year, and they are reopening for the season this October 2nd, Monday, October 2nd, 2023. It is a popular destination to visit and buy nuts and peanuts, homemade peanut brittle, homemade fudge, homemade peanut butter, chocolates, confections, snacks, all those delicious old-fashioned candies, dried fruits, uh, local, locally grown medjool dates, gourmet gifts like salsas and relishes and jams, syrups, preserves, olives. Who are we hungry yet? They're also known for creating custom and themed gift baskets and gift tins because, hey, it's almost the holiday season, so check them out. Either visit them in Yuma, Arizona, or visit them online and shop online at thepeanutpatch.com. Thanks for listening to Big Blend Radio's Big Weekly Blend Podcast. You can keep up with our shows at BigBlendRadio.com. And if you want to get our Big Weekly Blend magazine, just sign up for our newsletter at BlendRadioAndTV.com.